0: Chapter Twenty Six of the Talleyrand Maxim by J. S. Fletcher. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Six, The Telephone Message. If Pratt had only known what was going on in the old quarries at Whitcliffe, about the very time that he was riding slowly out to Barford on his bicycle, he would not only have accelerated his pace, but would have taken good care to have chosen another route. He would also have made haste to exchange bicycle for railway train as quickly as possible, and to have got himself far away before anybody could begin looking for him in his usual haunts, or at places wherein there was a possibility of his being found. But Pratt knew nothing of what Biner had done. He was conscious of Biner's visit to the Green Man. He did not know what Picard had been told by Bill Thompson. He was unaware of anything which Picard had told to Biner. If he had known that Biner, guided by Picard, had been to the old quarries and fixed his inquiring eye on the shaft which was filled to its brim with water and had got certain ideas from the mere sight of it pratt would have hastened to put hundreds of miles between himself and barford as quickly as possible but all that pratt knew was that there was a possibility of suspicion which might materialize eventually but not immediately on the previous evening pratt had he but known it made a great mistake "'Instead of going into Murgatroyd's shop "'after he had watched Byner and Prydale away from it, "'he should have followed those two astute and crafty persons, "'and have ascertained something of their movements. "'Had he done so, he would certainly not have troubled "'to return to Peel Row, nor to remain in Barford an hour longer "'than was absolutely necessary, "'for Pratt was sharp-witted enough "'when it came to a question of putting one and two together, "'and if he had tracked Prydale and the unknown man "'who was with him to a certain house,' whereto they repaired as soon as they quitted Murgatroyd's shop, he would have drawn an inference from the mere fact of their visit, which would have thrown him into a cold sweat of fear. But Pratt, after all, was only one man, one brain, one body, and could not be in two places, nor go in two ways, at the same time. He took his own way, ignorant of his destruction. Byner also took a way of his own. As soon as he and Prydale left Murgatroyd's shop, they chartered the first cab they met with, and ordered its driver to go to Whitcliffe Moor. "'It's the quickest thing to do, if my theory's correct,' observed Byner, as they drove along. Of "'Course, it is all theory, mere theory, but I've grounds for it. The place, the time, mere lonely situation, that scrap iron lying about, which would be so useful in waiting a dead body. I tell you, I shall be surprised if we don't find Parrawhite at the bottom of that water.' i shouldn't wonder agreed prydale one thing's very certain as we shall prove before we're through with it pratt's put that poor devil murgatroyd up to this passage to america business and a bit clumsily too fancy murgatroyd being no better posted up than to tell me that parrawhite called on him at a certain hour that night but you've got to remember that pratt didn't know of parrawhite's affairs with Picard, nor that he was at the green man at that hour rejoined byner my belief is that pratt thinks himself safe that he fancies he's provided for all contingencies. If things turn out as I think they will, I believe we shall find Pratt calmly seated at his desk tomorrow morning. "'Well, if things do turn out as you expect, we'll lose no time in seeking him there,' observed Prydale dryly. "'We'd better arrange to get the job done the first thing.' "'This Mr. Shepherd'll make no objection, I suppose?' asked Byner. "'Objection? law bless you! He'll love it!' exclaimed Prydale. "'It'll be a bit of welcome diversion to a man like him. That's naught to do.' He'll object none, not he. Shepherd, a retired quarry-owner, who lived in a picturesque old stone house in the middle of Whitcliffe Moor, with nothing to occupy his attention but the growing of roses and vegetables, and an occasional glance at the local newspapers, listened to Prydale's request with gradually rising curiosity. Byner had at once seen that this call was welcome to this bluff and hearty Yorkshireman, who, without any question as to their business, had immediately welcomed them to his hearth and pressed liquor and cigars on them, he sized up Shepherd as a man to whom any sort of break in the placid course of retired life was a delightful event. A dead man in that old shaft in one of my worked-out quarries," he exclaimed. "You don't mean to say so? And how long do you think he might have been there now, Prydale?" "Some months," Mister Shepherd replied. The detective. "Why then, it's high time he were taken out," said Shepherd. Uh, "When might you be thinking of doing job like?" "As soon as possible," said Prydale. "'Tomorrow morning early, if that's convenient to you.' "'I'll tell you what I'll do,' observed the retired quarry-owner. you leave job to me. "'I'll get two or three men first thing tomorrow morning, "'and we'll do it right. "'You'll be up there by half-past eight o'clock, "'and we'll soon satisfy you "'as to whether there's out it shape of a dead man or not in pit. "'You have grounds for believing that there is what?' "'Strong grounds,' replied the detective, "'and equally strong ones for believing the man came there by foul play, too.' "'Say no more,' said Shepherd. "'The mystery shall be cleared up. "'Deary me, and to think that I've walked past yon the pit "'many a dozen times within this last few months, "'and never dreamed that they were out in it, but watter. "'However, gentlemen, you can put your minds at ease. "'We'll investigate the circumstances, as the saying goes, "'before noon to-morrow.' "'One other matter,' remarked Prydale. "'We want things kept quiet. "'We don't want all the folk in the neighbourhood round about, you know.' leave it to me answered shepherd there'll be me and these men and yourselves and a pair of grappling-irons we'll do it quiet and comfortable and we'll do it right old character remarked byner when he and Prydale went away useful man for a job of that sort said the detective laconically now then are we going to let anybody else know what we're after mr eldrick or mr collingwood for instance do you want them or either of em to be present no answered byner after a moment's reflection let us see what results. We can let them know soon enough if we've anything to tell. But what about Pratt?' "'Keeping an eye on him, you mean,' said Prydale. you said just now that, in your opinion, we should find him at his desk.' "'Just so, but there's no reason why he shouldn't be looked after tomorrow morning,' answered Byner. "'All right. I'll put a man on to shadow him, from the time he leaves his lodgings, until—until until we want him,' said the detective. "'That is, if we do want him.' "'It will be one of the biggest surprises "'I ever had in my life if we don't,' "'asserted Byner. "'I never felt more certain of anything "'than I do of finding Parrawhite's body "'in that pit. "'It was this certainty which made Byner appear "'extraordinarily cool and collected, "'when next day, about noon, "'he walked into Eldrick's private room, "'where Collingwood was at that moment "'asking the solicitor what was being done. "'The certainty was now established, "'and it seemed to Byner "'that it would have been a queer thing "'if he had not always had it.' He closed the door and gave the two men an informing glance. Parrawhite's body has been found,' he said quietly. Eldrick started in his chair, and Collingwood looked a sharp inquiry. "'Little doubt about his having been murdered, just as I conjectured,' continued Byner. "'And his murderer had pretty cleverly weighted his body with scrap iron before dropping it into a pit full of water, where it might have remained for a long time undiscovered. However, that's settled.' Eldrick got out the first question. Pratt, "'Prydale's after him,' answered Byner. "'I expect we shall hear something in a few minutes, if he's in town. "'But I confess I'm a bit doubtful and anxious now on that score, "'because when Prydale and I got down from Whitcliffe half an hour ago, "'where the body's now lying at the green man, awaiting the inquest, "'we found Murgatroyd hanging around the police station. "'He'd come to make a clean breast of it about Pratt. "'And it unfortunately turns out that Pratt saw Prydale and me "'go to Murgatroyd's shop last night.' and afterwards he went in there himself, and of course pumped Murgatroyd dry as to why we'd been. "'Why, unfortunately?' asked Collingwood. "'Because that would warn Pratt that something was afoot,' said Byner, and he may have disappeared during the night. He—' But just then Prydale came in, shaking his head. "'I'm afraid he's off,' he announced. "'I would a man watching for him outside his lodgings from an early hour this morning, but he never came out.' and finally my man made an excuse and asked for him there, and then he heard that he'd never been home last night, and his office is closed. "'What steps are you taking?' asked Byner. "'I've got men all over the place already,' replied Prydale. "'But if he got off in the night, as I'm afraid he did, we shan't find him in Barford. It's a most unlucky thing that he saw us go to Murgatroyd's last evening. That, of course, would set him off. He'd know things were reaching a crisis.' Eldrick and Collingwood had arranged to lunch together that day, and they presently went off, asking the detective to keep them informed of events, but up to half-past three o'clock they had heard no more. Then, as they were returning along the street, Byner came running up to them. "'Prydale's just had a telephone message from the butler at Normandale!' he exclaimed. "Pratt's there! And something extraordinary's going on! The butler wants the police! We're off at once! There's Prydale in a motor waiting for me, will you, follow?" He darted away again, and Eldrick, looking round for a car, suddenly recognised the Mallathorpe livery. Great Scott, he said, there's Miss Mallathorpe, just driving in. Better tell her. A moment later he and Collingwood had joined Nesta in her carriage, and the horses' heads were turned in the direction towards which Byner and Prydale were already hastening. End of chapter 26